Hello, everyone, and welcome to Repot It, the Rerouted Podcast. My name is Brian Schoening. I'm the host on every, almost every episode of the Repot It Podcast. Chap's done a couple of them without me, but Chap is uh, is my co-host every time. Chap, how's it going today, man? Oh, it's going great. It's a windy, windy day in Taos. We're moving to Durango. We're getting naturally closer to our lovely guest and co-worker, Miss Miss Mary. Mary Eden has joined us recently, and we're super excited to announce her on the podcast. Mary, you want to say hello? Hello, everybody. I'm very excited to be here and a part of such a great team. Yeah, well, we're super excited to have you here. Brian, you want to kick us off and start up on the questions? Yeah, well, I think I'll probably fire this one your way, chap. But I know that you and Mary had talked a little bit over a year ago about her getting involved with Rerouted a little bit. And so tell us a little bit how how kind of that all came together. Yeah, so I think people on the podcast have heard about my years living in Moab. And that's when I first met with Mary and we stumbled into each other just out climbing, but we bumped into each other in Vegas in an outdoor retailer, kind of in a handful of events that were in a rerouted capacity. And we both just really are passionate about what we do and we connected. Mary, you want to talk a little bit? Cause that really the first conversation we had was at Red Rocks. Yeah, I definitely feel like I got to know you um, in Vegas. You know, Moab is a small town, um, but people tend to wave and walk away (laughs) is what I always said it was. Um, But yeah, we actually hung out in Vegas and uh, you and Sam were so supportive of me getting into this uh, this weird overhung fours crack uh that I didn't know had even existed until I walked past it and I just got really excited and you guys uh were also excited so (laughs) yeah and that was pretty fun uh you guys were more stoked about that with me than the my friends where was there (laughs) in Red Rocks with and so it turned into a really fun little little uh get together I guess Mary loves climbing off with cracks Mary, how would you describe an off-width crack to the lay person? Okay, I want to clear something up first. <laughs> I don't just love climbing off-width cracks. True. True that. Um, I actually love all forms of climbing, but for some reason, the um, particular style of off-width gets my, I like to say, inner gremlin very, <laughs> um, very excited. So I almost perversely love it because everybody hates it. So the more that somebody else hates something, the more that I kind of love it. And uh, so when I'm on a trip and, you know, I see something weird and wide and gross, maybe even chossy, I get kind of excited. And my friends all accidentally encourage me because they tell me how gross that looks. And then I get even more excited. That's so funny. (laughs) I might secretly love, you know, cleaner things that everybody else loves even more, but I'm, I would never admit it. You have appearance, you have appearances to keep up, Mary, out in, right. the, out in the climbing world. <laughs> oh um, no. No, that's, that's a really good clarification, but yes, Mary and I met because she was climbing some weird wide stuff and I like weird wide stuff as well. Yeah. So we really hit it off. And also one of the things that I 
distinctly remember is you were starting a business, we were starting a business, and we both had that very driven, ambitious, entrepreneurial yep. mindset. So I'm so glad to have you now in an official capacity on the team here at Rerouted. You want to tell everybody a little bit about what you've been doing and what you're working on? Um, what I've been doing. So I used to guide full time. And then um, outside of that, I would run a production company, film, like making videos and mostly photography. I was mostly focused on climbing photography. Um, called Big Beauty Pitches. And I still run that, but super, super part-time. I've actually kind of uh, morphed it into rerouted. I, <laughs> We're so I, grateful. I like, We're yeah, so grateful. <laughs> I, I'm a sucker for wanting to do things with people. Um, I don't really like doing it by myself, uh, <laughs> which maybe makes me a terrible entrepreneur. No. But um, you know, I would run Big Beauty with Sadie and then Sadie left and I was like, oh, this is by myself. So when Chap read it, reached back out to me, I was like, yeah, I want to put this into rerouted. I, I love having teammates. So, yeah. And we um, loved having you as a teammate. Um, Mary's been amazing. You guys have seen on our social media, all the amazing work she's done and you can see the fruits of her labor as big beauty pitches, because that's the amazing, beautiful content you're seeing right now. Thanks chap. Yeah. Um, well, it's amazing. So Brian, we usually, uh, put a little bit more pressure on our guests to talk about the outdoors. You want to, you want to lead us in that direction? Yeah. Well, so Mary, how did you initially get in, get into the outdoors? Um, you know, I, I know that you're, you're maybe the audience does, but, but you're from Kentucky and, and you, uh, and how, how did you first get, get interested in the outdoors? I don't know if there was ever a specific moment that I first got um, into the outdoors because I grew up in I don't maybe if you're from the east coast you might know what this word means I'm from like the holler um, <laughs> it's basically like this valley between you know a bunch of like smaller mountains in the Appalachian region it's kind of what you would call like a holler um, I grew up um, I my family's driveway was almost but not quite a mile long and it was a logging road to you know our double wide and that's where I grew up our neighbors were so far away that it was essentially like I didn't even have neighbors yeah there were no neighborhood kids to play with um there 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 was like nothing besides and my 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 sibling was 10 years older than me and had been long gone. So it was just me, sure. my parents in the middle of the woods. It sounds sure. like a horror film. Um, yeah, so there wasn't the start of one. Yeah, there was never a particular moment that got me in the outdoors. I, I was I lived out there in the boonies, you know, and it, we didn't have internet yeah. for a long time, maybe until a year before I, I, I left home. So, sure. you know, what is there to do besides you know, go yeah. outside. Yeah. So yeah, when, go play. When do you, when do you pick up the first adventure sport? Cause there's definitely a difference between, between going and playing in the woods and like doing some of the crazy stuff we've seen you do. So, so tell us what when classifies, what classifies as an adventure sport? What do you think, Brian? I, 
I would say, I would say climbing, hiking, uh, you know, canoeing, skiing, rafting, all of, all of those types of things. I mean, there's a, there are a lot of, a lot of things that can be qualified as as adventure sports, I think, but like, you know, kind of actively engaging with, with these outdoor, these outdoor activities. So I would say the first time I did an outdoor adventure sport would be, you know, growing up as a kid. Um, My father took us caving um, on some of the caves in the property. And by took us caving, he dug a hole to be able to slither his body and his lantern. And it was about 300 yards of a tunnel that he digged dug and i call i i i I had definite like flashbacks of mole man yeah as he was doing so and we went into this cave system and this cave system was huge it was connected to mammoth cave which was about a four-hour drive from where i grew up um and it was actually explored by the college of uk in the 90s and mapped out and connected and it had since closed up but my dad reopened it back up and we all went inside and yeah, that's, that's how, I mean, that was just what you did for fun. That's a great, that and yeah. And I, I loved caving growing up. I thought it was the bee's knees. Um, I actually really liked to get ahead of everybody and like hide and turn off all the lights. And I just was like, maybe a psycho and enjoyed it a little too You much. were the mole but, man. You were the mole man. Yeah. I, I was definitely man. like the mole man offspring. Yeah, for sure. And then, um, we, we, we would go canoeing as a family. We would go hiking. And then we did a couple of like, uh, backpacking trips and I grew up raising horses and, um, I actually got into endurance horse racing. Uh, I joined like a local horse club and, and we would do like limited distance of 30 miles, 50 miles, hundred, 150. It was awesome. And I was really into like horses and caving and canoeing and then I moved I moved out west yeah uh three days after I graduated I graduated high school and I had I had my nieces with me and I moved to Moab and I saw rock climbing I drove past um Wall Street Highway 279 and I saw rock climbing and I was like well that just looks like vertical caving and I like that So, so, you know, yeah, I was like, well, that looks pretty cool. So I stopped and, and, um, asked some climbers, you know, where I could get this equipment and, um, do this myself. And, uh, yeah, Wall Street, if you don't know, is this like literally side of the road, um, climbing crag, like the wall is 10 feet or less from the road so you get people stopping all the time to ask you what you're doing it's a really great resource um for its accessibility um but yeah i I saw climbing and i was god i was just gonna say i I saw climbing i was like that looks really cool i was just gonna say how much i love that story and the idea of it being vertical caving mary i've always thought of taking our skills of trad climbing into the caves to help with the spelunkers. I always thought that that would be a really nice crossover. I've always wanted to get more into caving. Yeah. So you've uh, you've talked a little bit about how you acquired your gear. Tell us a little bit about that experience. Cause I know getting into rock climbing, the gear is super kind of challenging and 
learning about it is, is a big step. So kind of talk to us a little bit about that. So after I had talked to um, some strangers at Wall Street, I don't even know who they were. <laughs> it's been so long. But um, after I talked to those people at Wall Street, I immediately went home and I went on the internet and I bought a, a book on rock climbing and um, I bought a harness and a pair of rock climbing shoes from eBay. And then I went to Gearheads and I bought a new rope and a helmet um, and this old thing called a cinch. They don't even, they don't even make those anymore. Do you guys remember the Trango cinch? And an ATC? Yeah, um, I, I know the cinch. Yeah. That's, a, that's a funny device to have got for your first go. Oh yeah, I was hella good with it too. I was always uh, mind blown that people were dropping people with the cinch. I'm like, well, you just don't let go of the brake. <laughs> Even back then, I was crusty. <laughs> I was like, "What's the problem?" <laughs> um, but anyway, I went. Um, I went home after buying things immediately from Gearheads and was waiting on things I had purchased from eBay. And I took all that stuff and then started reading that book and practicing things in my living room. And I realized that I needed something called a belay which is somebody to hold the brake of the, of the rope as you're going to lead climb. So then I searched for um, somebody to give me a belay. And it was a mutual acquaintance, 15-year-old um, girl named Martisol. And uh, Martisol said she knew how to belay, but she hated rock climbing. Um, so I would bribe her with ice cream afterwards. So that's a little funny, huh? <laughs> That's, that's amazing. <laughs> so she would go out and belay me at Wall Street. I had no idea what I was doing, but I had read it in a book and I would like lead up slabs, get up to anchors, you know, clean them. I don't remember how I learned how to clean anchors. I think <laughs> I taught myself. That's terrifying. <laughs> um, I do remember that the first route I ever led, I bootied two quick draws. When I got up to the top of the anchor, there was two quick draws left from obviously from somebody who didn't know how to clean. And even back then, I knew how to booty gear. Yeah, so I was pretty satisfied with leading, you know, those easy slabs for a while. But I kept staring at the cracks because that's really what caught my attention to begin with. And I was talking to Martisol about it. And uh, I was like, yeah, you know, looking online, I, I can't afford those things that the book says I need for this, for that style of climbing these cams. I can't, I can't afford them. Um, and I was really sad about it. And um, I started looking at eBay for cams and even the ones on eBay were a little too expensive. So she was like, hold up before you buy anything off of eBay. Um, my dad is selling an old set of cams. I'll ask him how much he's selling them for. And, uh, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll tell you. And so she ended up putting us into contact and he said he would sell me the set of rigid, rigid stem friends for $90. Amazing. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I, it was this thing. I couldn't get into the kind of climbing I wanted because at the time I just couldn't afford it. And um, I hadn't found like a mentor or a group of climbers yet to kind of take me in and, you yeah. know, teach me the way. I was just dragging out this poor 15-year-old. <laughs> this poor teenager. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so it was pretty funny. She put me in contact with her dad, who happened to be um, an AMGA rock guide. Nice. Wow. Lucky. Lucky. And he told me to meet him at Wall Street to sell me these cans. And so I showed up at Wall Street to buy these cans. And he took one look at me. One look. And he said, well, before before I sell you these cans, let's climb one pitch together <laughs> and <laughs> what a good dude mm-hmm. and i remember the pitch it was uh 30 seconds over potash five eight crack i know that one yeah it was my first ever crack climb i ever got on and i can't explain to you the joy i felt getting on that climb i was so excited i was so pumped because i was finally able to climb one of these cracks that i had been eyeing and I remember getting to the top. I felt like the king of the castle and coming down. And I was just like unbelievably stoked because I was going to take that set of Richardson friends. I was going to put up more of these things for myself. <laughs> uh, and and uh, Matt looked at me and he said, I am not selling you these cams. <laughs> and I was so heartbroken. I instantly felt like oh. so heartbroken. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, like I couldn't really afford to buy, you know, the new cams and the sets of the old ones on eBay were too much. And here was a set I could finally afford to buy. And he said he wasn't going to sell them to me. But then he said this, he said, what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to lend these to you you're going to learn on them and we're going to climb together. Oh my. And God. that what you know he was my first mentor and he taught me how to be really crusty. Yeah. Of course, <laughs> as the old guys in Moab would. It's so awesome remember- hearing you hearing you tell this story. It's it's obvious that you're super super passionate about climbing. Just like, you know, we're on a Zoom call right right now. Everybody's only going to only really going to hear the audio, but there's just kind of this like pure joy in recapping that story and talking about kind of discovering this first, this first mentor. Um, but, you know, fast forward now, how, you know, I don't, I don't know how long ago was that? Oh man. Um, oof. You're going to make me feel old. It wasn't <laughs> that long ago. <laughs> it, well, it's fast forward. However, fast forward, however many days or months or however many, uh, <laughs> it was, however it many was months. long before Instagram was a thing. <laughs> um, but, uh, oh, I think this was like 2011. Okay. I think. Okay. So yeah, about, not that long climbing, ago. Climbing for about 10 years. That's, I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. But, but fast forward to now and, and you're, you know, out here, I'm, I'm sure inspiring a lot of other people to, to do, you know, to go out and climb, just like seeing those people on wall street, the first time inspired you to kind of get out there. What's changed. How do you, you know, how do you feel? Do you feel the same kind of like, you know, childlike joy and excitement every time you, every time you get out there? I actually do uh, often. 
not every time everybody has bad days but I very much feel this like giddy excitement for rock climbing um and and I think I get it perversely almost when you know something is heinous when something is absolutely heinous I think I get I it transports me back to the start you know how I felt and it and and heinous I I get stoked on like really messed up thin cracks I get really excited with like horizontal roof cracks there's just something about the absurd that gets me really excited the more absurd it is the more excited I am and you know and I particularly enjoy cracks um because I I'm an artist I've been painter I'm a photographer there's something about a line I get really like my brain loves the look of something splitting something. I just love the look of a line. And I do admire sport climbing and bouldering for the movement. I think the movement is really beautiful. It's like watching ballet. But visually, if I'm looking at a route and it's just this line down the center or across like horizontally, I don't know what it is, but it really like, it catches my my interest more so than, you know, something that's like fun watching someone climb and climbing but it doesn't like you look take a picture of it and your brain isn't like wow that's a beautiful line it's super interesting mary there's a reason you and i get along so well because i feel the same exact way i've described crack climbing the same way it's it's super stunning and visually and it's i also love the absurd so it's fun to fun to hear that brian you see my excitement too just hearing mary talk yeah, well, it, it, it's funny because you know I'm not I'm not much of a climber myself. I do I do a lot more hiking. I you know I love to I love to ski. Those are kind of the outdoor activities that that I like to engage in um, more so than climbing. But it's just very it's it's cool kind of watching you guys speak each other's each other's language in this way. Um, Mary, so obviously you've been you've been doing so much for Rerouted. You've been helping us uh, cultivate our social media page. You've been working on on some videos that I think are going to come out uh, here down down the line a little bit. Um, but we're about we're just week. gonna about a week away um, from when we're when mm-hmm. we're recording this. Uh, what what's kind of a favorite piece of gear that that you've had that holds a holds a special a special place in your heart? First of all, after he loaned you. Uh, those those cams did you ever did you ever get those did you ever get those or did you did he just kind of loan them to you until you could get your own set so actually that set of Richardson friends is really special um because what happened with that set is that they were passed on to another woman who wanted to learn how to uh, trad climb and they were passed on as a as a here we know it's hard to get into climbing. These are for you to learn on. And I think that was great. I, I was very pleased to be a, uh, a temporary owner of those. Um, and until I was able to actually afford my, my own set. And I originally bought, you know, a single set to a three. And then I started buying used gear that were more modern than a rigid stem friend, but I would say my favorite piece of gear is this uh, TCU. It's it's probably 20 years old, honestly. It is an 
I don't even know if they go that old. I haven't really even researched it, but I I know this piece is old as hell. And I bought it and the, the lobes don't have any, um, you know, in the more modern TCUs, they have those ridges. It's all, the, it's this all one doesn't, now. it's smooth. Yeah. It's all, it's smooth. It's totally smooth. It never had the ridges. You can tell, but it is one of my better pieces of gear. Actually, it just holds when I'm kind of um, in a sticky situation. That piece has been the piece that has caught me. I one time ripped a 0.3. Uh, mm. This is the only cam I've ever ripped, but I ripped a 0.3 and oh, I might have ripped a second piece too. And to be fair, I knew those pieces were crap. I was just really scared because I was near the ground. <laughs> and so I placed these, these um, several pieces close together to try to like be like, I really don't want to hit the ground and this is kind of bouldery and the rock is kind of soft. Like, this might be a little tricky. Um, so I ended up placing these two and then that old piece right under it and the two new pieces ripped and the old piece is the thing that caught me. Nice. And there is a photo of, of that actually happening um, in a little series. Awesome. And it is really cool because, you know, I knew those pieces were going to rip. I actually thought the old piece would rip too, but that, that little soldier held on. He was That's a little trooper. That's and amazing. It's kind of funny because I've been into um, some other like, you know, kind of tricky little trad lines that, uh, you know, I've been a little bit like, hmm, this is odd, shouldn't fall. And when I have placed that thing in there, I've always felt a little bit more comfortable. Yep. I, 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 and I bought that piece. I, I bought yeah. that piece. Uh, yeah, used from some used gear store. I can't remember where, but I did. I bought it. Was it that, was hanging on the wall and it was, was 15 bucks mob gear exchange probably their gear exchange is always really good i don't think so i think this was i think this was before them oh really um so i got yeah two, i think i bought it on the road so mary have you i'll tell a quick story for the pod because i don't know if i've ever told my biggest fall that i took it was when samantha and i first started dating she didn't really know anything about rock climbing but i was still trying to impress her climbing like some 11 plus trad climb pulled through the crux looking for the anchors up at the top blew it blew two pieces of gear that i also knew were trash took like a 40 foot whipper and that was <laughs> that was something uh sam sam will never forget that i've since gone and sent that route but that was really interesting and then the last thing brian i know and i want to wrap it up too but it's really cool, Mary, and I'm so glad that gear found a second home because what I think is really special is about, so Mary's been really full on at Rerouted for about two months now, but about a year ago, she actually did some posting for us and she spread, started to spread the word. And what's super exciting is not two weeks ago when Mary and I were filming, we met another girl who heard about Rerouted from Mary and has since bought gear and it's enabled her to do exactly the story Mary told us. She told us point blank. She's like, I wanted to trad climb, couldn't buy new trad gear, found gear off rerouted and it made it possible. And so it's super cool to see that cycle continuing in perpetuity, Mary. And it, it's really exciting and interesting that you've been seeking that goal since the very beginning. I think that 
the barrier of entry to um, a lot of um, outdoor adventure sports is pretty high. And unless you maybe come from an affluent family, Mm -hmm. um, you can't try out things that could potentially be like a life passion for you. And for me, rock climbing has become such an important part of my life. It is not my whole life. It's not who I am. But it is a very important thing to me, and it has been something that has really helped me grow as a person and meet a lot of really cool people. And I look back in time of when I first got out of school and, you know, struggling financially. And to think that I might not have been able to start something that is so meaningful to me because I couldn't spend a grand on yep. a trad rack, right, to get. That's usually what a double rack costs, right, Easily. is a grand. Easily. You know, and Yeah. And, and to be able to get into the sport for practically nothing, you know, by just like the kindness of somebody's heart who, who, you know, really takes the whole like mentorship seriously, um, was awesome. And, you know, I keep trying to do that to the people around me. I lend out gear all the time. I try to, I try to send deals to people, you know, I try to teach people as much as possible. Yeah. I sell a lot of my gear. I'll like go through it and I'll sell it for less than half of what I paid for it. Cause it's like, okay, well this stuff is still in good condition. There's nothing wrong with it. Just get it reslung. And you know, you can start rock climbing for a quarter of the price. And, and a lot of this metal hardware, it doesn't go bad. No, it doesn't go bad. Microfractures are a lie. Yep. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, it's just, it's fine. Just replace the soft goods. I tell that to people all the time, replace your soft goods. You know, the metal is pretty good. You can inspect things. Um, I really don't throw things away. I try to just pass it on or, um, and if it's something is dangerous, I will destroy it. So it doesn't get reused. Yeah. And I I, I just think it's important that, that we, you know, once we have gotten far enough along in the sport where we have extra stuff, that we get it out of our closet and pass it on to somebody who could really use it because you can make the difference between, you know, the next, um, the next Hazel Finley and, or not, right. Like sometimes all somebody needs is a little bit of a, of a permission slip or a hall pass. I love the idea of this, like kind of cultivating the community by, by kind of passing gear around and, and like you said, loaning gear to people so that they can discover, discover this as a passion. Um, I think we'll probably wrap up here. Um, and, and if you guys have any final thoughts, but before I do that, um, I mean, you know, speak, speak now or forever, hold your peace until you're on the podcast the next time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we love having Mary on the team. We get to banter all the time. We're super excited to share the story you guys can see though. There's a reason that she's such a great fit for the team because she cares as much as we do about this access sustainability and getting people outside. And we could talk for hours, but I, thanks Mary. You're amazing. Thanks for being here. You guys are amazing. This is a really, this is a really cool thing. Um, I'm super stoked. 
Cool. I All wish right. I was a more eloquent rock climber. <laughs> Get out of here. Well, uh, if you follow us on social media at all, that's uh, that's Mary cultivating that following and and the content that's being posted there. You can also follow her uh, on Instagram at Trad Princess for kind of uh, some of her more personal excursions. But uh, on behalf of Rerouted, Mary Chap and myself, that's been Repotted. Take it easy. Thank you, guys. <laughs>